It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law on KNews 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help protect families and their real estate in their estate plans. I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases since 1978. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances, and I've been honored to repeatedly serve as Superior Court Special Master. You will hear from office holders, lawyers, and activists on this show. Last week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Chief and Assistant Chief Slow County Probation Officers, Robert Reyes and Tom Milder. They told us all about the probation office's services. And we talked with Kathy Stickle, who told us about her 18 months rescuing children from combat areas and delivering weapons to soldiers in Ukraine. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. Today, I am very pleased to chat in our first hour with Paso Robles Fire Chief Jonathan Stornetta and Captain Prickett. They will tell us what residents can do to urge the California State Fire Marshal to better treat Paso Robles, quite frankly. And I'm not going to go into the technical reasons. These uh, these fine professionals will. I also have a commentary today on the city of San Luis Obispo resisting city council election reform. In our second hour, it is a treat to talk with lawyer Dan Knight about construction defects and the legal remedies you can use to fix those defects. Uh, and both of the... Uh, firefighters here, their ears pricked up right away when I said construction defects. <laughs> <laughs> but Chief uh, Stornetta and Captain Prickett are both here in the studio. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure for both of us to be here, and, and we thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Well, it's wonderful. Now, how did each of you get into the firefighting? Well, I don't know if I have a great story here. Really, mine goes back to when I was in high school. I dated the fire chief's daughter, Ah. and I wanted to be a mechanic. And he said, well, you're not going to continue dating my daughter unless you get a good job. So he actually got me involved in the fire service in 1991. And you grew up in Atascadero, as I recall. I did, yes. Families uh, from locally here in San Luis and Santa Maria, and, and Captain Prickett and I actually grew up together in Atascadero. Well, what's your story, Captain Prickett? Did you well, da- date another? Uh, nope. No, no, no. <laughs> One of the daughters? Uh, no, no. I had a different career trajectory. I was uh, wanting to be a pilot. And uh, when I was young, I was able to get a job at the Pass Robles Airport. And uh, the airport manager at that time cornered me and he says, hey, we need volunteer firefighters. And I says, well, I'm available here on the airport. So I went ahead and became a volunteer firefighter. And it, from that point on, um, I've been in the fire service since 1987 when I graduated from high school. So uh, long enough time to understand it and uh, have a good time doing it. The beauty of uh, being a firefighter is that 
you have a common enemy, and it's an enemy everybody dislikes. <laughs> so that's uh, that's true. Yes. And, and as uh, one of my friends who uh, was a uh, San Luis Obispo firefighter once said, "Yeah, when when we show up in a neighborhood." People wave at us with all five of our fingers. <laughs> <laughs> very true. The community is very good to us. Well, the reason I invited you both onto the show today was because of a uh, effort you were making, Chief Stornetta, to involve uh, the citizens in Paso Robles to help you urge the state fire marshal to treat Paso Robles better. And uh, I, I think the best thing I can do is just read the uh, the beginning of the letter you wanted people to send. It was to express our gratitude to the Office of the State Fire Marshal for reassessing the proposed changes to the fire hazard severity zone in the state responsibility area located on the west side of the city of Paso Robles in San Luis Obispo County. Can you tell us what that means? Sure. I'll, I'll back up a little bit and, and tell you how we got to this point sure. and what the fire hazard severity zones mean to all of us uh, throughout the state. Because uh, really it was, although some people blame the Office of the State Fire Marshal, they're just doing what they were told to do. And that was through legislation in 2018 and 2021 through Assembly Bill 2911 and 642. And the fire hazard severity zones have been determined through what we call the state responsibility area, which mm -hmm. people also reference the acronym SRA. They've been doing that for a long time. But new legislation requires them to evaluate what they call the LRA, which is the local responsibility area. And that's the incorporated city areas. And sure. that's never been done before. Um, we actually were not required to do it prior to this. Now, let me ask you, does that mean that if... Uh Prior to this, if there was a fire in the city of Paso Robles that the uh, state fire resources would come in to help you? Absolutely. They, they still continue. They still we have do. a okay. very good working relationship with all of our fire departments in the area, Cal Fire, all the city fire departments. We have mutual aid, automatic aid agreements because none of us are big enough like L.A. City Fire to be able to do it on our own. So, you know, anytime we have a wildfire or a structure fire, we get our neighboring agencies that come in and help us. So okay. we work very closely together. Now, the the uh, mapping that the state fire marshal's office was doing, uh, how does that affect Paso Robles? So the mapping, they, they updated everything throughout the state, and it was just exclusively for the state responsibility area. And so that's the unincorporated areas of the city of Paso Robles on the west side. And some say, well, why are you fighting that? Because you're just should be just worried about your local area other than the fact that your city's probably going to annex those, those <laughs> next week uh. well, well the, the greatest impact is, is is when they make these designations of very high hazard um high hazard or moderate yeah the fires just don't stop at the city limits and neither do those severity zones that they're identifying fire rarely notices a border it does not so what we anticipated when they upgraded the area surrounding us from high to very high was it was definitely going to impact our city when they did our evaluation coming up. And how would that impact the city of Paso Robles? Well, the biggest thing for us is, and let me just back up a little bit 
and talk about what those determining factors are, and then I'll get yes, into how that impacts us. But um, it's based on flame length and potential for fire. So that's what kind of fuels are out there. Is it oak woodlands, grass? Is it brush that could really throw embers and spread that fire fast? The terrain, you know, as we know, as the terrain gets steeper, the fire runs faster uphill. The local weather, hot, dry, windy, um, blowing embers, and then fire history. So when they came in and said the west side of the community were elevating it from high to very high, they based it on those five factors. But you have to remember the state's trying to designate or reevaluate all these areas throughout the state. It's a large area. And we just felt at that point that they just they didn't really have time to look at the local conditions. So that's what we presented to them. And we were able to show them that those areas don't have the continuous fuel. So we have a lot of vineyards, mostly in Paso Robles, as well as almond groves, dry land farming. So it didn't support them elevating it based on that. And also that affects the ember casting because the ember castings decrease significantly with that type of um, landscape out there. So, so the sparks aren't going to blow exactly. farther into the city that way. Yeah. And the other yeah. one, the big one's fire history. Uh-huh. And we went back and, and found data clear back to 1848. So 144 years worth of data. Before the state was a state. Yes. And we were able to support it with, we haven't had the significant fires that you're referencing that would validate you or support the state fire marshal raising it to very high. Well, 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 the effects of raising it to very high uh, on citizens and residents uh, is, I mean, uh, on the one hand, maybe the state would provide more resources, but on the other hand, doesn't that affect their insurance for homeowners and building owners and things like that? It does. So the state fire marshal will say, we are just evaluating hazard, which they are. They're evaluating the hazards, which are those five... um, things that I just gave you, the flame length and all that. They say they don't evaluate risk, which is what insurance companies do. They evaluate the risk. But I give the example of, well, if the American Cancer Society says that smoking's hazardous to your health, which is a hazard, what's the first thing the insurance companies do when you try getting life insurance? They raise the rates. Well, the same thing, if we're starting to identify these areas as very high hazard severity zones, even though they want to say that the insurance companies aren't evaluating that, we know for a fact they are because we've talked to them. And they said that, yes, they base some of that on the risk because they know the areas that are very high hazard severity zones are the ones that have had all the fires. So, of course, they're going to raise the risk and the premiums. And and we've all seen news stories about uh, insurance companies pulling out of California because of the fire risks. Yes, we, uh, we're losing all state, state farm, and farmers. They've been told not to write new policies. That's your number one and number two largest carriers in the state and your number four carrier. So that's going to impact everyone. On top of that, if they do raise it to the very high, it requires we adopt new fire code regulations, new general plan, new safety element. It also, on just a single family residential structure, the mitigations that you have to take for siding, roofing, windows, and decking, and landscape, it adds $50,000 per residential home that you build. And in a city like Paso Robles, and I'd say a county like San Luis Obispo County, that has a housing crisis as it is, adding another $50,000 on top of a residential home price, we just can't afford it. Well, and actually we had... uh representatives of the state fire marshal's office on this program uh, a couple of months ago, um, maybe three months ago. And they had tips for hardening 
your buildings, uh, which of course meant uh, slate roofs, uh, other kinds of non-flammable materials. Um, is that where the $50,000 in additional uh, cost tends to come in? It is. And, and okay. Captain Prickett will talk about that towards the end of how to better protect your home and the firewise um, uh, philosophy. philosophy that he's going to talk about there. Yeah. But back to the severity zones, when we saw the state fire marshal put out these new maps, mm-hmm. we saw inconsistencies throughout the state. And, for example, the... Tubbs fire in 2017 in Santa Rosa. At that time, it was the most destructive fire in California history. And there was an area called Coffee Park, and it mm-hmm. burned 1,442 homes, destroyed them. Yeah. And prior to that fire, they were a moderate hazard severity zone. And when this new updated map came out, they were still a moderate hazard severity zone. <laughs> uh, who lived over there? Yes. And so... <laughs> That, that's just one example of our concerns. We've also noticed in the maps that bodies of water are considered moderate hazard severity zones, which we don't really agree with that. But anyhow, I do have to give credit to Chief Berlant, the Office of State Fire Marshal Chief up there. Mm-hmm. We've worked with him, and that's what this last letter was based on, was he has taken all of our um, input into consideration. And for the most part, it does sound like he has agreed to it, but it's not finished yet. So that'll they'll come to a final determination on that state responsibility maps at the end of the year. So one of the things you were trying to do was to get residents of Paso Robles and perhaps residents all over the North County to write the state fire marshal about this. Uh, Is that still something that you'd like people to do? So first of all, let me thank the community, and and it was everyone, because I know other fire chiefs passed along the same thing throughout the county. The response was overwhelming, and, you know, uh, Chief Berlant said that uh, he received lots of letters um, in support of that. So the comment period for the state responsibility areas ended, but what's next is probably the first of next year, they're going to evaluate the local response area. So at that point, we'll see what they come out, and they identify the city of Paso Robles being... I have a strong suspicion working so closely with Chief Berlant now that we're going to work on a decision together and we're going to work through it collaboratively and do what's best for our community. Now, when, when you talk about the local responsibility, does that sometimes uh, extend beyond the borders of the city? It will just be our city, but it will also be other cities that are evaluated as well, San Luis, Atascadero. Yeah. And, and let me just make sure everyone's clear is even though we disagreed with their recommendation for the west side of Paso Robles, there are areas that we do agree. Let's, for instance, let's talk about the west side of Atascadero, the Highway 41 fire that's gone through there a couple of times. Yeah. That is, we completely agree, that's a very high hazard severity zone because there's the fire history and the fuels that support that. And your department has a mutual aid agreement with Atascadero and other cities in the in the area, don't you? Yes, sir. So you you You've fought some of those fires in other cities. Absolutely, yes. I, I see Captain Prickett nodding <laughs> very heavily there. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, we have uh, six people up in uh, Northern California right now up near yeah. the Oregon board supporting the CAL FIRE efforts up there So and the feds. Well, and we've all seen what happened in uh, Hawaii recently, which makes all of us more sensitive. You, you think you live in a city and you're pretty insulated from fire until you have a firestorm go through. Yes. Uh, so that's uh, that's something we'll have to be concerned about. Do you, do you have advice for listeners on what they can do to make their homes and businesses more fire resistant? 
Yes, I'm going to turn that over to Captain Prickett because yeah, he's so leading those efforts for our department right there, now. There's plenty of things you can do. I mean, it's uh, preparation is key to, to success when it comes to wildfires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we, Chief Stornetta was talking about, you know, the topography and the weather and the, uh, the fuels. Well, the fuels are the only thing that we can really take action on and have an effect on. Um, and hardening our homes, as you mentioned, it's, it's a pretty easy task, and it's just a, a way of looking at things because we're not really as concerned about the fire front as we are about the embers that get thrown from these fires and, and you know, thrown towards structures. Because when those embers land in your, um, you know, planters around the foundation of the house, those can be influenced by those winds and, uh, and catch whatever fuel might be on the ground, uh, your wood chips, your just your dry vegetation and as those get going it extends onto the structure itself and then unfortunately the house catches fire so we've always been pushing for wildfire preparedness and home hardening um, and you know having what's called a defensible space Um, but you know you can extend that even more to have what's called firewise communities or firewise usa it's a program by the national fire protection association otherwise known as nfpa and that program is a, uh, a way to, um, you know, provide a framework for the neighbors in that area. And we identified the west side of Pass Robles as, as being an area that really could benefit from having that. So it gets that framework established for uh, neighbors to get organized, uh, kind of work collaboratively together. And then they can both receive education on both how to do good housekeeping around their house um, things to think about if there ever is a fire in the area, and also to think about different construction techniques and things you can do to prevent those embers from catching your house on fire. Are there uh, resources people can get from uh, your department? The, the list is endless. Um, you can get anywhere online uh, in the NFPA websites. You can do it from CAL FIRE. has a good uh, defensible program and then our website in the city of Paso Robles is also a good good resource for uh, local factors that uh, would help those neighbors to to prepare their house and and learn some techniques. And if folks wanted to get a hold of you fellows Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a phone number they could call? Well I would refer them first to the our website that's a good place to start. And what's Uh, that website? And that website is prcity.com and then if you go to the government tab and then underneath there is the fire emergencies website and then that will get you in touch with all of us in terms of emails and phone numbers, but also you can find out that information yourself on how to be prepared if there ever is a wildfire. How to, hard, how, how to prepare. Yeah, how, how to prepare. How to get out. Do, do you have evacuation uh, routes all laid out for people from the west side? Yeah, we don't do pre-identified evacuation mm-hmm. routes because we don't want anyone getting in a habit of that's our evacuation route because as we know the fire never starts where where you expect it yes yeah. and so we just advise people to know your evacuation routes and have options and have alternatives to mm-hmm. know how to get out of your areas um, i'll add on to what captain practice said in in regards to not only um, what you can do to harden your home but the city of Paso Robles actually spends a few hundred thousand dollars annually in our own mitigation efforts and we actually do some of the county area outside the city limits up the fern canyon area through masticating and goats to prevent fires from coming in the city 
And as a lot of people know already, we have the goats in the riverbed. And we do that. Uh, I think that the peak this year, there were 700 goats in there. And that's really through grant funding through CAL FIRE, the Fire Safe Council, and then working closely with Cal Poly, too. We just had a group up there from the wool growers of the state actually evaluating. We were the first ever to obtain a permit to graze in a riparian corridor. So that's a first of its kind through fish and wildlife and uh, regional water quality. We thank those partners for working with us, but it took us four years to get that permit. And uh, we're sharing that with Mm -hmm. others so they can do it as well. Well, that's wonderful. Folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're here talking with Paso Robles Fire Chief Stornetta and Paso Robles Fire Captain Prickett about things you can do to make your home and business more fire safe. And but can, I, can I segue to that? You know, uh, we have a lot of listeners who have commercial properties and they have industrial properties. Are there things that can be done for those kinds of properties that are different from hardening a home? Well, I mean, hardening the home is the best way to, or hardening a structure, I should say, is the uh-huh. best way to prevent that fire from burning your stuff um you know we have what's called a a zone zero philosophy so if there's anything you can do zero to five feet away from the foundation your house is a good start that's the best place you could put rockscape instead of wood chips or vegetation that's less combustible cypress trees and rosemary bushes are deadly really (laughs) and those those can catch fire really well on a hot dry day it's like gasoline it's like gasoline cypress i would have understood but yeah uh, rosemary yeah i mean anything that's deciduous and that those Mm -hmm. those can fall within themselves it just becomes a really tinder box uh, fuel source so just getting that zero to five feet away from the structure is 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 a good start that's a good start and then also you know thinking about your soffits and your vent covers and maybe putting mesh uh coverings in those to prevent those embers from getting in your attic or underneath your decks and porches um also uh the sidings of your house what are you using are you using wood or are you using vinyl siding or or some sort of resistive uh siding to the house uh, would be another thing we'd be asking people to do and then lastly is good housekeeping you know keeping your trees 10 feet away from the roof line and, and cleaning your gutters and your roofs of all that dead leaf clutter and also the things that kind of collect in the crevices of your roof. Um, You may have a great tile roof and a fire-resistive roof, but if you don't get that fuel off of there and just kind of blow it off or brush it off there, that stuff can still be a source that can get underneath there and cause a fire in the house. Ah, okay. I I don't think a lot of people would think of that. And ultimately, we're looking for 100 feet. We really want a 100-foot clearance around a house. That's the best way to to withstand a, a fast-moving fire that has an abundant fuel source that's producing a really big ember cast. Folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're here with Chief Stornetta and Captain Prickett of the Paso Robles Fire Department. We'll be back right after the news. <laughs> 